Go further delay. The prophetic word is on you, Pastor. And tonight, there will be deliverance, miracles, and signs in this building. Make welcome the man of God, Pastor Mark Morgan, San Francisco, California. Let's clap to the Lord and give him praise and adoration tonight. Amen. Praise God. What some of you may not know is, is uh, when we started participating in the Apostolic Conference, we were actually planning a church in San Francisco. Yes, sir. 1996, the Lord spoke to me in a revival service as pastor in Oatmobile, Oklahoma. Spoke to me very clearly and said, you're through here. And uh, it's over. And so uh, I'm very impulsive. I don't really have a whole lot of plans. And so I'm just going to get up and resign. If it's over, I'm done. Don't know where I'll go. Don't know what I'll do. But if I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> Some of you that's so foreign to you. It's just like I, you know. And so God spoke to me through tongue interpretation that night and said, you are through. But I'm going to ask you to wait one year, continue to dig around this tree one year, and I will release you in one year. Didn't know where I was going, didn't know what I was going to do. Every service, I had our music director sing, Lord, if you can use him, you can use me. Every service. James come to me and said, Pastor, we're kind of getting tired of singing that song. I said, James, who writes your checks? He said, you do? I said, we're going to keep singing it until I tell you otherwise. <laughs> and so finally in a dream, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Looked to the San Bruno Mountain. I turned, there was a man on the San Bruno Mountain that yells out San Francisco. Yes. That's how I ended up going to San Francisco. During that time, we were starting to participate with the Apostolic Conference. I've come and preached through the years. I've preached here when it was just... Uh, Five people, my wife, myself, our three children. I preached when there's 15 people, 20 people, and God has been good to us and has increased. I preached here when I didn't have son-in-laws. I got one with me and got another one on the way, and uh, it, God's been good to me. And through that, I've been tremendously blessed by the Dillon family and the Parkway Church and a lot of friends here. A lot of friends here that have invested and believed and uh, I thank you for that I really do I appreciate it and uh, I'm thankful I will always want to show gratitude and I'm thankful for every home missionary here and every North American missionary every wannabe North American missionary and those of you that should be North American missionaries now I'm going to say something that you're not going to like, but I wish some of you'd quit getting called to these little old communities. We got some towns in the Bay Area, about 200,000, 300,000, 80,000, 90,000 that does not have any apostolic churches. So I'm standing on the mountain tonight and I'm calling forth. Come on. Come on. When I get through preaching, you'll know why I'm saying that. Amen. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Numbers chapter 14. Everybody's already preached all over it, stomped all over it. 
Hopefully there's just a little chicken left on the bone tonight. Amen. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Amen. Numbers. I had a couple get divorced in Okmogee over a piece of chicken, so that's why we're laughing here right now. Numbers chapter 14, verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about the land, the covenant, and the glory. The land the covenant and the glory. Amen. God gave this to me probably sometime in the early spring. In the moment that I began to see it, I knew this is for apostolic conference. Now, not just apostolic conference alone, but I knew it was for this conference. And so I stand with total confidence and affirmation in the spirit that what I'm about to speak to you is the will of God. And the Holy Ghost is going to talk to us. Amen. God has already set the stage. He's already set the stage. Amen. Father, I love you. I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word. I thank you for your anointing that's upon this conference, this meeting. I thank you for every person that's here tonight. I pray your blessing upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask you tonight, God, to move through your word and to confirm it with signs following. Help me to speak as a true oracle of God. Nothing more, nothing less. Give me the wisdom, the clarity of mine, and the love to speak it in. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand and say, God's glory is going to fill the earth. I have sincerely been praying and seeking the Lord in concern to uh, something that I read several years ago in a book that I enjoyed reading, and the man was talking about the kedging of a ship and talked about how, and my brother Wright could probably give us a little more insight to this, but he talked about before the systems that we use, the radar, sonar, whatever that we use, they did something called the kedging of a ship. The anchor they used was not at that point just for something to hold them at port or to secure them, but they would actually take the anchor, put it in a massive rowboat, roll it out in front of the ship, drop it, and they would kedge the ship to the anchor, and that is the way that they would safely leave the ports. This author made the statement that we need to learn how to kedge the church into the future. He went on to say that the anchor was our doctrines, what held us, the anchor of our souls. And so I have given myself to that the last few months. I stand here tonight 
I say this in regard, and, and hopefully you'll not overreact, and I don't want to overreact to it, but America is in a little bit of trouble right now. Amen. The world is in a little bit of trouble right now. I understand that there is a lot of spiritual activity. I see it and all. And the church, the church needs to know how that we move forward into the future. I ask God, what do we do? What is the key? Now, <clears throat> most of us, and I, I want to be very clear what I'm about to say. Most of us would say what the church needs is more power. We need more signs and wonders. I believe in all of that. I'm going to preach about it. But I also know that the enemy is going to be able to produce false miracles. There is not a person in this building tonight that believes in the fire of the Holy Ghost any more than I. And it, it is the will of God to set our cities on fire. But I also know that in the end time, the Antichrist and false prophets and all are going to call fire down from heaven. So I've given myself to it. What is it that the church needs? What does it look like? What is the, what is the thing that we desperately need? I want you to know that the enemy can duplicate all the miracles, but there's something that he cannot duplicate. It's already been quoted. I think Brother Shatwell was on it this morning or yesterday. He's talking about love. Love never fails. The one thing that the enemy cannot duplicate is the love of God. He may duplicate a miracle. He may duplicate fire falling from heaven. But he cannot duplicate the love of God. Jesus said, it is by this that all men will know that you are my disciples. That you have love one, not four, but love one toward another. So I believe that the key for us to see what I'm about to preach is definitely in the fact that what will bring the miraculous, what will bring the glory, what will bring these things is that when the church really understands it cannot get disconnected from its source. Brother Wright was talking about staying connected. I'm the vine and you're the branches. I personally believe that the fruit that is mentioned there is love. As long as you stay connected to me, then you will produce this. You cannot produce the love of God on your own. It is not possible for you to produce it. But it is staying connected to him. I think that if the church can show America what the true love of God looks like, I think that's where our revival will come from. Amen. Now, so I've been really trying to look at all this, and I think this is what we're after. I think this is what the Spirit wants to do. I was listening very intently to Brother Wright when he was talking about Ephesus and all. The only church out of the seven that was threatened to have its candlestick removed was Ephesus, but it was also the most apostolic as far as doctrine is concerned. Couldn't stand anything false, but yet he said, because you have left, not lost, you have left your first love. The truest sense of that is you quit loving me and you quit loving the brethren. And because you have left that, he said, I'm going to remove your candlestick unless you repent. 
Now, you can sit there and act all this that you want to act, but the fact is you can be right doctrinally, and I'm just on a little path here right now. I don't think truth is doctrine. I think truth is a person. Well, praise God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it's not, when we talk about truth, it's not just a set of things that you learn doctrinally, but it's when they see him, when they see Christ. Praise God. You know what moved Jerusalem in Acts chapter 4? It wasn't the signs and the wonders. It was when they seen the people of God giving and sharing and loving one another that moved in with the miraculous. They knew this is not a part of human nature. Everybody wants power, but what about love? I'm losing a bunch of you right here, right now. The gifts of the Spirit will begin to operate like they should when we start loving God's family and God's people the way that he loves it. Paul said you can have all this other stuff, but if you don't have charity, he said it doesn't profit you one thing. It's tinkling brass and sounding cymbal. I am, I am convinced that the path to the miraculous is in the statement of Jesus. And he was moved with compassion. Not moved with faith, but he was moved with compassion. And when you see somebody and compassion moves you and you know that there is nothing within your human ability to help them, then you begin to covet the best gift earnestly. I need something that comes from God to be able to minister to my brother or to minister to my sister. Praise God. Praise God. Well, that's going over like a flock of dogs. Amen. That's where it's at, folks. That's where it's at. Now, let me get to this here deal because I, I don't want to lose you and all this stuff. So the, the, the deal is they, they come off the flood, out of the flood. Here comes Noah and his family. You talk about a bunch of dysfunctional folks. I mean, it's crazy. Noah gets drunk, incest. Then the Bible talks about one of his boys seeing his nakedness most people think he just seen his dad without clothes. That's not really what it was. It was an act of perversion between him and his dad. His dad is passed out drunk, and a lot of commentaries say that his son molested him. Now you understand that when they disperse, and the curse of God comes on it, and they disperse, do you know where they settled? The descendants of Ham and them settled? Canaan land. Canaan land. <laughs> oh, it's going to get quiet, I'm afraid, here tonight. And you've got all kinds of stuff in Canaan. And, and, and I, I don't want to get too far into this right now, but you've got the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites, Hivites, the Jebusites, the Termites, and everything else that's in <laughs> And most of these are the descendants of him. I didn't, I didn't come up with this. I, I, I read it and I printed it out. I had Jeremy print it out a while ago. The Hittites, 
about fear, giants who invoke fear, confusion, and discouragement. The Gergeshites were dwellers of clay, people that were unstable, unearthly, people that never committed to stabilize and solidify. The Amorites, pride and rebellion, arrogant people who were always changing, challenging others. People of pride who always found fault with others. The Canaanites, materialism, people who were in love with wealth, motivated by greed. The Perizzites, open, unwalled, people with no discipline, lived in unwalled cities. The Hivites lie openly. They offered false lifestyle. Live by do whatever you want to do, and it will all work out. Don't worry about what others think. The Jebusites trodden down people that were scourged and defeated, a place of guilt and shame, probably because of the strong immorality and perversion that they practiced. Those were, those, those were the inhabitants of the land. And now into the story comes a guy by the name of Abram. God calls Abram all the way from the Ur of Chaldees and says, Come on, I want to take you to a land. It's going to be a place that I'm going to give you. And so he starts this journey. And we're getting all that. But he starts this journey, and finally the Bible says, and the Canaanite was in the land of Canaan. He comes down to the land of Canaan. And he builds an altar there. And all these things start happening. I think there's four altars, five visits to the altar, four altars. And he comes to these. If you want to know what Abraham teaches you to build, it's an altar. And I'm going to tell you the key to some of this fire stuff is. I was preaching last year for Brother Bounds and his tongue interpretation and said, my fire is reserved in the heavens. My word declares that my fire is reserved in the heavens. If you want my fire, my fire seeks an altar. If you will build me an altar, my fire will come. Now, now listen, I'm going to make a statement here. The altar's not prayer. You can pray and not have an altar. The altar's a place of death. It's where you die out. It's where you sacrifice. It's something that you put on there. A lot of people pray, but they don't have an altar. I heard the man testify tonight about dying out and all. That's exactly. And so Abram comes into this, and God begins to establish some things with him, begins to establish a covenant with him. Now, these covenants that God established with Abraham are pretty interesting and all. And he says, okay, now, Abraham, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to make a covenant with about the land. I'm going to make several covenants with you here. And uh, I don't want to get into this old message and sitting next to the, the Jewish lady on the plane and her talking to me about uh, covenants. And she was a professor and taught Old Testament covenants. And brother, it was, it was quite a conversation. She didn't know who I was. She didn't know what I did. And she talked for over an hour nonstop about covenants from the Old Testament. She talked about a covenant always involves blood. A covenant always involves a sacrifice. And a covenant is always done in the name of the greater party. I said, really? She said, that's right. I said, well, that's interesting. She said, yeah. I said, was there any examples about that? She said, yeah, there sure in the Bible. She said, there sure is. She said, if you'll go over, she said, matter of fact, in Jeremiah, it talks about uh, when you divided the pieces. She said, in order to establish this covenant and an oath, she said, you'd have to cut the animal in half and you'd place it in certain pieces. And then you'd walk among the pieces and you would say, let it be done unto me as under these pieces if I don't keep my word. She said, I've been talking so long. She said, what's your name? I said, my name's Mark Morgan. She said, and what do you do? 
I said, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. She said, Pentecostal. I said, Christian. She said, oh, yeah. I teach a lot of this in Christian churches. I said, she said, a lot of your churches have never heard this. I said, oh, we, we believe this. I said, matter of fact, we practice it. She said, what? I said, we practice it. She said, I don't understand what you mean. I said, we practice what you just said. We practice when we believe in covenant. She said, explain it to me. I said, well, you said it's done in the name of the greater party. Is that correct? She said, yeah. I said, well, we got a verse in the New Testament. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. She said, I know, I know where you're headed, but he's not my Messiah. I said, I've listened to you for over an hour, and I need about 10 minutes of your time. That's all it's going to take. I went over to Colossians all, and I showed her about covenant. I showed her about circumcision and baptism. And I said, we practice water baptism. She said, so you sprinkle. I said, absolutely not. I said, we're just like your old mikvah. I said, we take them right into the waters, and we immerse them in the waters, but we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe that blood is involved. Just hang on with me. We believe that blood is involved. So I went through baptism. I explained it to her. She said, I have never heard anything like this ever. So yeah, well, welcome to my world. She said, and we're getting ready to get off the plane, but then she said, listen, she said, I got one for you, Reverend. Email me and tell me what you find because I know you're going to get it. I said, what's that? She said, Genesis chapter 15. Read it and email me and tell me what you find. So I did, and I found it. I got over in Genesis chapter 15, and he's in a deep sleep and all this, but he cuts up these pieces, and he divides it, but it was not Abraham that went through the pieces. That's how come the writer of Hebrews says God cannot lie. God cannot lie. It wasn't Abraham that walked among the pieces and said, let it be done unto me according to my word. If I don't keep this oath, let it be divided. It wasn't Abraham that did it. It was God that walked among the pieces. And God was telling Abraham, let it be done unto me as unto these pieces if I don't keep my word to you. Now, if God starts lying, we're all in trouble because the sun is held in the sky by the word of God. The ocean has its boundaries by the word of God. But God swore right there and said, I can't find anybody any greater, got a greater name than I have here. Abraham, how about your name? Oh, no, sir. Good, then we're going to make a covenant right here. You see all this land? I'm going to give it to you. Somebody needs to tell the UN what I'm preaching here tonight. You can tell them to give up all that land you want to. It's not that important. But I hate to tell you, you're trying to make God a liar and a breaker of an oath. He said, as long as you have seed on this earth, Abraham, that land belongs to you. Praise God. Now, now, God, I got to get out of there. Now, here, here's, listen, folks, God cannot lie. I don't know if I can explain this. God cannot change and God cannot lie because he's eternal. And if he's eternal, it means whatever he is, 
it never changes. It never ceases. It's all through eternity. So at what time would God have to change? He can't lie. He can't change. I said it here last year. He is the only thing that can be the point of origin and the destination at the same time. Now, so you just, Abraham, that's going to be your land. Matter of fact, Abraham, man, you guys been stomping all over this. Wherever you put your feet, I want you to walk through the land. Yes, sir. What's important about you walking through the land? You're a covenant person. You're a covenant person. Walk through the land. Now, Abraham, here's what's going to happen. Your seed's going to go into captivity. They're going to be there for about 400 years. But I'm gonna, until the iniquity of the Amalekites is filled. And then I'm going to bring them out. And I'm going to bring them back to this land. Because this is the land of covenant. 400 years. Oh boy, here's where it gets fun. 400 years. Abraham's on the backside of wherever. Burning bush. What's amazing about the burning bush is the Bible said he turned to see it. See, there's a lot of supernatural things that happen in your life, but until you turn to go to it. A lot of people see a supernatural work of God, they'll walk right on by it. But when he's seen it, the Bible said he turned. Like, I'm going to go check this out. And he gets over there. You know the story. I mean, we're preaching to preachers. I mean, the I am that I am. Now, I want you to go. And I want you to confront Pharaoh. I've heard the cry of my people. Uh, you know, Lord, I kind of know this Pharaoh. He's a tough character. That's all right. Two things I want you to do. I want you to go preach to my people. And I want you to go confront Pharaoh. Okay. Well, you know, God, you know, well, take care and you know the story. So he gets back over there and he starts telling the people, goes down to him, said, Listen, God says he's going to deliver us. He's going to take us out of here. Get ready to go. We're getting out of here. Okay. Now I'm going to go tell Pharaoh. And God had already warned him. I'm going to harden his heart. He's pretty stubborn. But I'm going to harden his heart because I'm going to get glory against him. Because Pharaohs thought they were gods. And it was a direct challenge to the only true God. That's why when Moses walked in there, he said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? One of the reasons why I think it was a serpent is because to the Egyptians, the serpent was a symbol of a monarch's sovereignty and power. Yeah. God said, we're going to have a little deal with snakes here. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I'm glad it was Moses. Mm, I hate snakes. They gotta, you know all that. Now just stay with me here a little bit. So finally... You know, the ten plagues, all this stuff happens. And, I mean, he keeps going there, preaching to Pharaoh. Now, the people's getting discouraged. My God, Moses, you stirred this guy up. We thought we had it bad. You've made it worse on us. Yeah. Just, you know, maybe 
It's not a good idea. Just get ready. We're just going to happen. And you know, God tells him, you know, watch this. God tells Moses when he's coming from the burning bush, this is what got me today. He's coming from the burning bush. And God said, I am that I am. You go tell this. And the Bible says that Sarah or uh, Moses' wife and their boy sitting and was going to take a little rest. And God appears and says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> now, I'm trying to figure out which one he was going to kill. Most people think he was talking to Moses, but the previous verse says, Pharaoh has taken my son Israel, and I'm going to take his son now. And while we're talking about sons, Moses, let's talk about yours. Your son has not been circumcised. Now, for all the folks out there that don't think baptism is essential, You got a man that's coming from the burning bush, supposed to lead God's people out of there, and he says, if you don't get that boy of your circumcised, somebody's about to die. Now watch what happens. His mother circumcises him, takes it. It wasn't on Moses' feet. It was on her son's feet. I was reading this this afternoon. And she wipes it across his feet, signifying we're headed to a land of covenant, and the only feet that can truly <laughs> occupy the wow. land of covenant is feet that are associated with wow. the covenant. Man. So he gets there, you know, the story, and so he goes in there. Now, here's, 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 here's what I really want to get on tonight just a little bit, okay? Now, I know I'm talking to home missionaries. I've been, I've been trying to really look at all this. Is this okay? Yeah. I've been trying to look at all this. And three, I asked Brother Godwin. Brother Godwin, he's, he's, he's master at numbers and stuff. Between him and Kevin Connor, if you don't, they don't know it, you're in trouble. And so I, I said, now tell me again what's significant about the number three. Ask him a while ago. Brother Godwin, come out here. I want you to tell him what you told me. Let me see if I got this right, that three is the first Numeric number. First perfect number in God's numeric language. Three. Three. Death, burial, resurrection, peace, joy, and righteousness. Three. Three. Now, I'm going to tell you what I see about the apostolic church. There's three levels in an apostolic church. John teaches three levels in an apostolic church. He said, I write unto you infants. So we have spiritual infancy. I write unto you infants. You new babies, sin not. Right. <laughs> but if you do sin, you got an advocate. Then he writes to the second level of an apostolic church. I write unto you young men, overcome the wicked one. Start growing up and conquering some stuff. When are you going to get out of that diaper? The third level is I write unto you fathers. You should be reproducing. You should be training. You should be a good example. If you got a real apostolic church, you ought to have all three levels in the apostolic church. Now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, and some of you aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but it is a fact. I ain't got nothing to worry about. I'm following Brother Wright. You ain't going to get mad at me. <laughs> If your church, everybody in your church looks like a father, you're not doing your 
job. Hang on. And if you got people that ought to be fathers and they look like infants, I preached in a church a few years ago, got up, taught a 40-minute Bible study on Sunday morning on the new birth to pray 57 people through the Holy Ghost. And the pastor after church like, my God, Bo, I can't believe you did. Why in the world happened? You didn't hardly raise your voice up there. 58 people, 57 people get the Holy Ghost. We go out to eat, and the man's pilot sitting across from us, and he says, you got the Holy Ghost today? He said, yeah. He said, my God, man, what happened? What's so special about today? And the man innocently said, well, today's the first day I actually knew I needed to have it. And so I'm preaching for this guy, and I'm sitting there on Sunday night, and I mean, I'm like, God, am I even supposed to be here? Am I wasting my time here? And the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to tell you about this church. This church will stay in a perpetual state of infancy because you've got infants teaching infants. There is no spiritual maturity here teaching. Mm. Now, now I want to show you three levels real quick. Everybody good? Start and get a little hungry. Ooh. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Won't keep my sugar levels up. Uh, that don't work. Find me a Snickers. No, no. I was preaching somewhere here. Oh, I was preaching a camp this summer, and I said something about being hungry. One of them idiots <laughs> left the service, went over to the cafeteria, and brought me back a cheeseburger yeah. while I'm preaching. Yeah. That was before Christ. tried to preach with a mouthful of bread you think man is breaking loose again I can tell you that right now here's the deal so here, here's so, so yeah so, so every sermon I preach I mention food somewhere in it and I can tell you so here's, here's the three things there's the exodus here's the wilderness and here's the promised land. Right. So I've been looking at this, trying, okay, all right, okay. So this past week, it started getting a little nudge. How does five-fold ministry fit into those three levels? How does it fit into those three levels? You know, when you love one, Holy Ghost said, oh, that's easy. <laughs> well, yeah, for you it's easy. He said it is an evangelist that's used in the exodus. It's pastors and teachers that are used in the wilderness. It's apostles and prophets that are used in the promised land. Now I'm going to explain it to you. 
See, all my life, I thought they turned an 11-day journey to a 40-year wandering, and they should have just been there in 11 days. That's not true. Once they come, I'm coming back to the Exodus. Once they left and got into the wilderness, the Bible says that the cloud led them through the wilderness of sin, led them over to Mount Sinai, and the cloud did not move from 18 to 24 months. They didn't move from the mountain for 18 to 24 months. It's in there. You know why? Because God said, before you get over into that promised land, we're going to have to cover some stuff. Because if you're not careful and you get over there with all those ites, you'll fall to trying to be relevant. And they'll convert you instead of you converting them. I don't want you buying into their pagan, idolatrous ways. So the first thing we got to get established is one God. Now I'm about to cover every area of your life. I'm going to cover the tabernacle. I'm going to cover the priesthood. What do you think Paul says to Timothy? He says, I'm going to tell you how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. All you that don't think coming to church is necessary, what about that verse? <laughs> now, he said we're going to cover it all. There's not any area of your life we're not going to cover. Every area of your life we're going to cover here because I, I got a little job for you. Just, I'm trying to get there. And so, okay, we'll get, we're going to get all that. So it didn't move. That's why I said pastors and teachers. Instructing, training, discipling, getting them ready. You're headed over into the promised land. You're headed over into what God promised Abraham. You're covenant people. You're getting ready to take the land that God promised you. Now, I'm going to go back to the Exodus. Because this is what really got in my spirit. I want to talk to you home missionaries. You got to get them out of Egypt and through the Exodus. So how are you going to do that if you don't learn or let the Holy Ghost teach you on the two things you got to confront or the two things you got to master. Number one is, you're going to have to learn how to walk into Pharaoh's palace, the things that hold them with authority and say, you're going to let them go. Drug addiction, you're going to let them go. I've been sent here by God. And I know you think you are God and you think you're going to hold them in captivity, but I'm telling you, I've been to a burning bush. I have a revelation. I have a revelation of God and I have a revelation of who I am. And I'm telling you, Pharaoh, and you're going to have to learn how when they're sitting there, how not to be intimidated when the devil starts showing up and start manifesting and they're sitting there bound in their spirits. You're going to have to learn how to just bow up and look Pharaoh right in the kisser and tell him, I said, you're about to let them go. Because greater is he that's within us. Track marks. I'm about to get mad now. I can preach yes, really sir. good when I get mad. Yes, sir. Track marks and people addicted and perversion and all this stuff and all. And then you want to have a cute light show? People sitting there contemplating suicide and you think your little slick marketing techniques is going to get the job done? 
Somebody give me a break. I'm serious. Enough is enough. You really think your slick chicken soup for the soul sermon is going to deliver them and set them free? You're going to have to learn how to walk. I don't care if it's in your living room. I don't care if you got a building. I don't care if it's a, if it's a, what, a rented motel. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to learn how to walk in there with some apostolic authority and confront Pharaoh and tell him, I'm a man of God. I've been chosen by God, and you're going to let them go. And the second thing you need to learn is how to preach the gospel. I didn't say a sermon, I said the gospel. You need to get them to the Red Sea. You need to get them to the cloud. If you don't know how to preach the death, burial, and resurrection, and besides that, it's in Egypt that the Passover takes place. You need a good revelation of Calvary and the Passover and the blood if you're going to get them out of Egypt. We got some really messed up folks in San Francisco. God's given us favor in this this. Rehabilitation down. I don't know how many we've baptized the last few weeks. Probably, I don't know, Jeremy, 40, 50 of them or something. I mean, God's just, I mean, it's just a revival happening there and all the stuff and all. But they're sitting out there and, and some of them are in a perverted lifestyle. And I'm going to make a statement to some of you. Prejudice is more than just skin color. You have to fix this one. And all you tough talking rednecks. And the little slurs that you use. We got a man that is, it's obvious. Obvious. He said, I attended a UPC church before. I said, really? He said, yeah. It's just not a true story. He said, you know what they did? He said, they took me to YouTube and showed me videos. Funny videos making fun of gay people. And that's what they told me. And they showed me that stuff. They told me I had to change. Boy, it got quiet right here, didn't it? And such were some of you. There's people sitting in here, they wouldn't dare tell you their testimony. They asked me, what are we going to do? I said, just keep loving the guy. Just show him kindness. Just love him. So here's what he tells Jeremy the other day. He said, Jeremy, he said, listen. I was a little, he said, but you people just keep loving me. And he said, that makes me want to change. I've never dealt with anything like this before. I want to change. You think they want to come to your church when you make fun of them? I don't even want them coming to my church. I was sitting on a panel here a while back. Somebody said, you know, because you pastor San Francisco, they think you've got all the answers on this stuff and all. And so <laughs> they asked me, said, do you think people are born that way? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and they did just like y'all are doing right now. 
I said, I sure do. Now, I don't think they're confused about gender and all that. But I think they're born with the propensity of any sin. So, yeah, if you're talking about born in a damning nature and that anybody can start dabbling in stuff and get involved in stuff, yeah, I believe that. Because some of you are sitting there like, it may be the reason why you're so tough on it. Y'all better sit down. It's rocking in here right now. The young man come up to me, and we were talking. I said, now listen, I'm going to tell you exactly what I told priestess in the city that we tried to rent the building. And she told me, she said, I want to meet with you, and you're bored. So I took me and one old man over there. That's the only board we had at the time. And she said, I just need to ask you all some questions. I said, I already know what you're going to ask us. And she said, what's that? I said, you've already done your due diligence. You know who we are. You know what we believe. And what you're worried about is we're going to get out here on your sidewalk if we rent your church building from you, and we're going to pick it and make fun and ridicule you. She said, that's exactly right. I said, well, I want to ask you a question. She said, what's that? I said, did you ever see Jesus doing that? She said, no. I said, then why should we? I said, no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because I got some of you, boy, you can't wait to get out of this service. Gossip is gossip. I don't care if you type it or you speak it or it's gossip. It's gossip. Somebody said, well, it's not because I didn't say it. Somebody said, you know what? The Bible says when John wrote the name, yes, he wrote it. The Bible says when he spoke the name. So what you write is you speaking. That's right. That's exactly I'm moving on. Moving on. I said, now, if you ask me what I believe, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that I believe this is a sin. Like I believe other things are a sin. I will be very upfront with you. This is what I believe the scripture teaches. But I'm still not going to treat you unkind. Now, just, 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 just sit down. Y'all sit down because this is where my sermon's headed right now. You're going to have to learn how to preach the gospel. You're going to have to learn how to preach them out of Egypt. You're going to have to learn how to preach the death burial. You're going to have to learn how to preach them to the Red Sea. You're going to have to learn how to preach them to the cloud overshadowing them. You're going to have to let the spirit direct. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll lead God into all truth. It's cloud. But now they get to Kadesh Barnea. So you've got all this ministry and you've got all these levels and you have to learn. This is ministry for this. But they get over to Kadesh Barnea. <laughs> Choose you out. Send them over. They go over. They come back. You know the story. Ten of them gives an evil report. I'm not so sure when, when, when he said these ten times that they tempted me. I'm not so sure it's the ten spies that he's talking about. 
He said, you have despised the land, you have defiled the land, and you have spoken evil of the land. Now, I know all those ites are over there. And Abraham, when you finally got to the land of Canaan, what did you meet? You met Sodom and Gomorrah. Why don't you read the rest of all that? It's not just perversion that brought judgment down on Sodom and Gomorrah. It's idleness, fullness of bread, and a lot of other stuff. Oh, wait. I know when I get on out here. So here's, here's the deal. They, we, got, we, we, we can't do it. And this is where they got themselves in trouble. They said, they said, our little ones will fall prey in that land. Our little ones cannot live in that land victorious or against that and win. They'll be defeated by all that over there. And God said, get out of the way, Moses. I'm getting ready to take care of this little problem. And Moses said, hang on, God. Hang on. You sure you want to do that? Yeah, I'll raise you up. Now, God, let's talk about this. If you do this, you're going to give the enemy the ability to say, you could bring them up and out, you could take them through, but you didn't have the power to take them in. Are you sure you want to do this? And God said, hmm. According to thy word, I'm going to pardon them. My glory is going to fill all the earth. Now watch what he says. They seen my glory in Egypt. They seen my glory in the wilderness. I just said my glory is going to fill all the earth. Now you tell me if that does not include the promised land. And the same God and the same glory that was in Egypt and the same God and the same glory that had been in the wilderness is waiting over you in the promised land. But you got so focused on the enemies and their culture. I mean, you got a bunch of perversion. You got them offering babies to gods. I mean, you got perversion. You've got abortion. You've got all this stuff. And it's over there. And you're telling me that's our promised land? God said, I'm telling you that is your promised land. And I'm telling you why I'm going to send you there. Hmm. These, these people are crazy. We can't do it. God says, okay, you're not going to go in. And the next thing they tell Moses, yeah, we're, we're going to go in there. And God said, yeah, I'll let them try that one. Read the rest of it. I mean, utter defeat. Right. Boy, I'm telling you, I got some of you looking at me really funny because you're still trying to contemplate some of the other stuff that I'm saying over here. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, folks, but that is the land Excellent. that God has placed us in. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, <laughs> they didn't go. 40 years. 40 years. The guy said, Those little ones, they're the ones going to take it. I did the math one time. 
just simple math, and I think I figured up 40 years, that would have been consistently about 85 funerals a day. Take care of 1.2 million people, about 85 funerals a day. All I know is I'd hate to have been the last one of that generation sitting there. And those little ones that they said couldn't live that kind of a life and that kind of corruption and that culture, they're looking at you like, hey, uh, you want to take a bite of this? <laughs> Drink some of this. It's really good. We're ready to go. Woo. God have mercy. My glory is going to fill all the earth. Jesus. Okay, I got I got I got to get there. So, you're going over. Now that's got a swollen river and Jordan and all that stuff and all. Jordan's a type of death to the will. I'm going to tell you the hardest body of water you'll ever cross is not the Red Sea. It's the Jordan. Because Jordan is death to your will. Jesus, I'm going to say it again, Jesus didn't die on the cross, Jesus died in the garden. When he said, not my will, but thine be done, that's where he died. And we got a lot of wilderness mentality stuff, but nobody wants to die out to their will to cross over into the land that flows with milk and honey, where God's glory was waiting. So, here's the deal. They're telling God, we believe that you can get people out of Egypt. We believe that people can be discipled. But we don't think the next generation can live an apostolic, victorious lifestyle in this hour. I <laughs> said, you're joking me. Now, everybody's still good? Yes. Okay, here it is. Here it is. So I was kind of reading all this and studying and you defile the land and, and I said, the Holy Ghost said that's what you did I said I did what he said you despised the land you, des you defiled it I said what do you mean he said I'll tell you what I mean I'm talking about when I called you there to your land to your promised land and you picked the phone up Hoping that a prophetess would tell you something different. And you said, I need to talk to you about something. I'm in a transition. And old Sister Snow said, oh, you talking about San Francisco? I went to general conference that year after God spoke to me. And Franklin Howard was standing there. They just approved him to go to L.A. And he was telling me that. I said, why are you going to L.A.? San Francisco needs a church. You ought to go to San Francisco. And Franklin Howard said, why are you telling me that? God's already spoke to you to go. When I didn't even understand the city, couldn't relate to it and all that stuff and all, I was at a Chinese evangelism deal. And Steve Willoughby, I was praying, God, what do I do at the city? And Steve Willoughby come over there. And he's told me, he said, now, you know, Brother Stone King went first. And let me tell you, Brother Stone King goes first. There ain't no second. <laughs> it is like, you know. Brother Willoughby come over there and said, man, we got all kinds of time. We're going to let this go a little bit. And then I went and God gave you something. So I said, no, fan it. Keep it going, man. You know, he said, no. God's good. I said, oh, well, we'll see. And he turns to walk off. And then he whirls around and he grabs my shoulders like this. And he shakes me. He says, 
I'll tell you why I sent you to that city. I sent you to that city because on one hand, I'll give you America. And on the other hand, I'll give you Asia. And don't you ever question me about that city again. That's your promised land. But when I called Sister Snow, I said, Sister Snow, I'm, I'm concerned. She said, about what? I said, after she, I said, well, you know, it is kind of like a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. And I got two teenage girls and a little four-year-old boy. And I'm getting ready to move them into that. She said, and? She said, are you worried about it? I said, a little bit. She said, the Holy Ghost said, go. God will protect your children. Okay. Do you have something else? Here we go. I said, yeah. I've been studying. It is the second most expensive city in America. We're number one now. At the time, Manhattan, and then we were number two. We passed Manhattan a few months ago. We really passed them. Like, Median cost of a home right now in San Francisco, 1,100 square foot, whatever, is $1.7 million. Yeah. All these tech people being becoming millionaires like that, they're buying them up. They'll put them on the market for 1.1, 1.2. They'll walk into a neighborhood and say, I'll give you $2.5 million for that house. And they just driving it through the roof. And that is where God called me. From Oak Mulgee, Oklahoma. <laughs> I've been waiting through the water's trying. She said, okay, and I said, well, sister, you know, it, I, I don't know how I can afford it. And she starts laughing. And I said, what's well, funny? You. I said, what do you mean I'm funny? <laughs> you're funny. I said, how am I funny? Oh, you're just funny. Now I'm getting a little irritated. I love you, but you're pushing the button right now, sister, you know. I said, tell me how I'm funny. She said, I'll tell you, because I seen the Lord a while ago when you said that. He broke out in a sweat. Because it's harder for him to come up with $3 million than it is just to come up with $3. Isn't that right? Well. <laughs> and I said, well, no. She said, why did you just say, son? I said, well, no, it's no harder. For she said, that's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> you think God broke out? You don't think God knew when he called you there? Wow. You don't think he understood when he said, that's your promised land. Now, I want you to go. And here's a little something I want to give you. In my glory, it's going to fill the earth. If you go to your promised land, my glory will be in San Francisco Bay Area with all the crazy stuff going on. And all the great politicians we give the rest of America. All the crazy, 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 crazy stuff that's going out there. And God said, that's your promised land. One of the most liberal environments in the world, that's your promised land. But why am I sending you there? Why did I bring Abraham from the Ur of Chaldees and I targeted that little strip down through there? Why is Israel so important? My God, come on. 
I had a guy, he didn't, he's not connected to church here a while back, was talking, it was a place of business. He said, I don't get it about all this Israel stuff and all. He said, man, we got a bunch of land out there in West Texas. He said, I mean, nobody's doing anything with it. <laughs> he said, we all just send them over there. <laughs> That's what he said. I, I got to ask God, God, why is it that that has to be the place? You really want to know? Yeah. Trade routes. Trade routes. Trade routes. Trade routes, yeah. See, the two main trade routes that would connect Asia and Europe into Africa passes down that Mediterranean Sea coast. So I'm going to bring the world through that valley. And I'm going to place... My one God, covenant people, right there. Because when they come through, I want them to see what covenant people really look like. And you, if I preached you on, you know where they ended up? Dens, caves, fear. By the time Gideon comes on the scene, he's up there just trying to harvest out a little something, living in dens and caves of fear and poverty. And God said, why, why, did, why did I bring my covenant people into this land for you to isolate yourself and go hide and take yourself out of the thoroughfares of life and out of the marketplaces? Because it intimidates us and we don't think we can live an apostolic, apostolic covenant life in that kind of an environment. God said, you don't mean I'm any greater than that? So God's calling you to whatever city it is. And he said, I'm sending you there because you're a covenant person. And I want you to bear witness. Now, we quote, we quote Acts 1 and 8. You know, you'll see power and be witnesses for me. It doesn't say for me. It says unto me. Meaning God says, I'm going to place you in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. I'm going to place you there because you're going to be a witness unto me. People are going to see you and say, oh, there they are. There they are. So I don't know what city, community, God called you to. But the enemy is always trying to tell us, your new converts can't survive in this. Your little ones can't mature here. Culture's too strong. Too much wickedness in this place. Too many spiritual wickedness in high places. And the Holy Ghost is telling us tonight, my glory's over there. And Brother Wright, I'm going to quote it, and I may twist it on you here a little bit. Paul's looking at uh, the church of Philippi, and he says, when I was first launching my ministry, he said, you people bought into it, and you gave offerings, and you gave. And he said, now, I'm going to tell you something. Now that I've reached where I'm supposed to reach, and I'm the apostle now, he said, I'm going to pronounce something on you. And my God shall supply. 
abundance in direct proportion to that. All of your need according to his riches in. The biggest issue is how can I afford to do this? How can I pay for all this? How are we going to do all this? How are we going to support all these home missionaries? How are we going to bring them? And God says, seriously? I could get you out of Egypt, clean you up, dress you up, and you don't think I can pay your light bill? Now, I'm going to do something that's very personal in this building right now. To me, it's very personal. But every person in this building that invested in ministries that I was involved in when I was launching them, I speak that over you right now in the name of Jesus. My God is going to supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. You're a covenant person. The land belongs to you. And God says, you ain't going to take it all by yourself. It's going to be little by little. But you just keep walking through it, putting your foot down. And everywhere you put your foot down, because there's blood on your shoe because of a covenant, I'm going to give you that land. And I'm going to supply all of your need. So whatever this harvest is, whatever these stadiums look like, whatever this end time harvest looks like, first of all, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm just shotgunning right now. Let me tell you. Another thing, Sister Snow. I, I, I called her, Sister Snow, and I'm really intrigued by something. She said, what's that? I said, I had a dream last night. And I said, in the dream, I was in this wheat field, and there's a combine right there next to me. And I said, and then I looked way off in the distance, and there was another combine, but it was way off. She said, well, you already know what all that is. I said, well, what is it? She said, the first combine's America. She said, the second one's over in China and Asia. So that's down the road. I said, okay. So last year at... Wisconsin, wherever. I was talking about those combines. No, Brother Watts walked up. You got to watch Brother Watts. He's sharp now. He walked up. He said, those combines. What does that really mean? It means to combine. See, we're used to just one sickle mentality. Just one blade to cut. But the combine is... Combine is, come on, Brother Dylan. This is the combine. We can get a lot bigger harvest if we'll just join together. We can cut through that field a lot faster if we'll just join together. We'll fill up that truck a lot quicker if we'll just quit thinking I'm the Lone Ranger out here and I'm all by myself and I'm the only one going to have a harvest. You know how we're going to take the end time? We're going to take it combined. We're going to take it united. And guess what God's going to do? His glory is going to start filling our churches. His glory is going to start filling our cities. His glory is going to start filling our families. And God said, I'm going to supply every need that you have. I'm going to supply your spiritual need. I'm going to supply your, your emotional need. I'm going to supply your physical need. Are you listen, I'm going to supply your financial need. I'm going to supply your relational need. I pray that every day. Okay, God, I thank you for the bread. I thank you for manna. But I'm going to tell you something else. Boy, I'm, I, uh, 
But as soon as they got on the other side of the Jordan, the Bible says the night light went out, air conditioning system stopped, and the manna ceased. Boom. And God said, you know, the wilderness is about management. I'm teaching you how to manage in the wilderness. I told you every day this is what you do, this. I taught you management in the wilderness. But when you get over here in the promised land, you're not just going to have enough that falls for the day. You see, I got barns that's got last year's harvest waiting on you. And I got a harvest that's in the field right now that's waiting on you. I just need you to not provoke me by your unbelief. I feel that old Mark Morgan stirring up right now. Jeremy could tell you about, what, a month ago, five weeks ago, I woke up on a Sunday morning, the Holy Ghost said, you better not let the spirit of unbelief get in this congregation, get in you or your family. You drive it out of here. And brother, I hit the pulpit like a madman. I said, I ain't putting up with that. I'm not putting up with that spirit in this church. I said, you let me tell you how you provoke God because you don't mix your faith with what he said to you. You can hear all this teaching and preaching this week that you want to, but if you don't get a mixing bowl out and mix your faith with it and say, I choose, I choose, I choose. And then what the psalmist said, I'd have fainted if I had not chosen to believe in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I went into Oklahoma fighting the spirit of unbelief. Stand in the pulpit and be so strong and almost choke you out. You could preach and God's anointing come on you and they sit there and look at you like you'd lost your ever-loving mind. Because their little practical analytical mind couldn't comprehend it. That's why it's called supernatural in case you hadn't figured it out. Preach miracles and they'd doubt it. Preach provision and they'd say, well, where's it at? I've come to bind that nasty devil here tonight in the name of Jesus. Somebody ought to die out to your will and your thinking. Put your foot right down in the middle of Jordan and say, hey, I'm on my way to Canaan's land. I've learned something else about devils. They can be on you today and get on him tomorrow. I went to preach against that nasty spirit. I said, I'm gonna tell you something. I believe God. Matter of fact, I turned around to Jeremy and them last night. I said, let me tell you what I'd like for God to do. Boy, I just said it and all of a sudden I'm about to pass out. Oh, God. Loose your grip. Loose your grip. I said loose your grip. I said loose your grip. I said loose your grip.
Come on, church, let's pray right now. Come on, I need somebody to open up your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost. We're not going to worry. God's going to be doing his work right now. By the authority in the word of God and by the power of the name Jesus. Let the spirit of the Lord begin to rest right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. God, we call it to be done now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. God, we're going to receive land. God, we're going to receive that covenant. And the glory of the Lord is going to rest in this house. Let the glory of the Lord rest right now. Come on, I want everybody praying. We got men of God, we're going to take care of it. All's going to be well. Come on, we're going to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, there'll be signs and wonders and miracles in this place right now. God, I believe and I'm standing right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I need you to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. I want you to join up with somebody right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Join up with somebody right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. God, we're going to believe. God, we need a miracle. God, we need signs and wonders. God, I'm asking right now for the Spirit of the Lord. God, we're going to believe right now that you're going to do, God, a mighty work. God, I'm going to give you honor. God, I'm going to give you praise. God, we're going to give you glory. God, it's going to happen now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I'm believing. God, I'm believing right now. In the name of the Lord, let it happen right now. As these men go down off the platform so he can breathe. Come on, let's keep praying right now. We've been here before. I'm telling you, we've been here before. If you know he's a miracle worker, pray right now. If you know he's a prayer answerer, pray right now. Come on. If you, I need some interceders right now. Brother Wright taught on interceding. Now you can intercede. Come on. Now you can open your mouth and pray in the spirit. Now you can open your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Here am I Sunday. He God, we believe. God, we believe. I want you to pray for Brother Morgan like you're praying for your own family. I want you to pray. Come on, Mama. I want you to open your mouth and pray like you're praying for your baby. Come on, Daddy. Open your mouth. Pray like you're praying for your baby. Come on, somebody. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. We're just going to take our time. We're going to pray until something changes. God, I'm going to give you the honor. I'm going to give you the praise. I'm going to give you the glory. God, this is your day. This is your time. This is your way. God, you're going to get the glory. God, we're not going to worry. You're going to get the glory. You're a miracle working God. You're a prayer 